0: Hey, welcome in, Stinking Truth Podcast. Uh, alongside Mike Evans, I am Mark Schler, Millennial Ben, producing the show. I want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Download the app, check them out at betrivers.com. Michael, how are you, my friend? Well, Mark, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, but I, I'm, I'm wondering are we watching three quarterbacks who have hit their decline, hit their wall, maybe sooner than we thought? Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. You want to throw Matt uh, Ryan in there as well, or have you already washed him out? Which like you want to put him in there? You want to go to four? Well, he he had a really nice game last week. Right. He, he was slinging it all over the place. So I'll tell you what; I'll give Matt Ryan a reprieve this week. Good okay? because you and I he have had this. You and I have had this argument because you wrote him off after week one or two. And I'm telling you, but he's not completely off my radar. Okay, I, right? he threw 58 times last week against Jacksonville. Came back to put a last-second drive together to win that game, and uh, they were pretty amazing. Anyhow, long story short, decline. You know, it's funny you mentioned decline because I think it goes to show you how overvalue, how over, how much emphasis we put on the quarterback, and how. I don't care who your quarterback is. If there are certain things you can't do as an organization, your quarterback's going to have a tough time. Hey, If you can't win early on routes, if you can't get open, right, and you can't protect your quarterback, you know what's going to happen? Your quarterback's going to suck. Um, I don't care who your quarterback is. and And so I think those are the things that you always kind of have to look at Quarterbacks can rise the level of the water, so to speak, right? The, the the high tide rises all boats. If you have a good quarterback, he can make average guys around him a little bit better. But I also think that what you have to do as a coaching staff is mitigate potential disasters. This is where coaching really comes in, right? And so I think... All those players that you mentioned, whether it's Russell Wilson or whether it's, you know, Tom Brady or whether it's Aaron Rodgers, I don't think there's anything wrong with Aaron Rodgers' ability. Can he still scramble around? Absolutely. Can he still sling it with the best? Does he still have the best arm talent in, in you know, all America? Probably. But you, you put a bunch of young receivers around him. You put, you know, a, a, an offensive line that struggles a little bit around him. You know, you put some of these other factors in there and you put a defense that can't get stops and guess what? You've got to play outside your normal comfort zone. And oh, by the way, we take away maybe the best receiver in football from your organization where you always felt like I had a security blanket regardless what the look is, I know that guy's going to get open and I know I can trust him to catch the ball. And all of a sudden that part is gone. You don't have that like that security blanket. That's that's tough. Tom Brady, you know, you don't have a Gronk there. The whole interior offensive line has changed because of injuries and because of free agency and because of retirements. Like there's, there's a lot going on there. So I know the easiest thing to do, Mike, for the fan is to go, "Oh, he's washed. The guy can't play anymore." You know, like it just like he forgot how to play overnight. But I think it's there's a lot more to it. I would say with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Now, with Russell Wilson, that might be a different story. That might be a different story. Because Russell Wilson, right now, the last two games, looks like a rookie. He looks like a rookie. Now, he's missing some wide-open dudes, but I will tell you this, on top of it. Like, he's missing wide-open guys, but his receivers aren't consistently winning. They're not. I mean, they're not getting open right off the bat. And last week against the Chargers, that uh, that offense, including Russell Wilson, part of it is his, you know, responsibility. They couldn't they couldn't pick up a blitz. They couldn't pick up pick up a twist stun. They couldn't like they were awful up front. So I mean, other than playing every shot, uh, every play, every throw out a shotgun, I think they th- they dropped back thirty six times. I think they had, and this is off the top of my head, but I think they had four snaps of the 36 dropbacks that were under center that could be off uh, uh, i could be off one or two it might have been six but you're in the ballpark i'm in the ballpark yeah and this just off the top of my head but the bottom line mike is man it is it is it is bad and when you get to that point now here's where great coaching comes in so i'll take you to new england right now okay you lose squishy mac boom squishy mac has a high angle sprain all of a sudden, some dude named Zappy comes in, right? Zappy, he's like a khaki—he's classic khaki pants guy. Bailey Zappy. What is he? Fourth rounder? Fourth rounder. Western Kentucky. Western. Are they the Hilltoppers? The Hilltoppers. The yeah. Hilltoppers. I don't—I know. I can't imagine. I'm trying to think of could Hilltoppers. Could that be a derogatory term? We'll have to change the name of the Hilltoppers. <laughs> what is a Hilltopper? No, it's a Hilltopper. What secrets do they have? Yeah, what? what where are the hilltop? What are what they doing? Is what there are by... they doing on top of that hill? <laughs> That's right. Little diddy about Jack and Diane, <laughs> two American kids. <laughs> aren't they gonna go? Aren't they going up the? Weren't they going up the hill? Like, didn't no, they? In that the... was Jack and Jill went up the hill. Oh, Jack and Diane didn't go up the hill. No, no, they were behind the. Nobody uh, got pushed off the hill. Were they behind the Tasty Squeeze or whatever the hell the heck they call oh. that? Tasty Drib- freezer, something, tasty freeze? <laughs> something like that. Dribble off those, but never mind. Bobby Brooks, <laughs> let me do what I please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have my, I have my Jack and my Jills. Right. 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 So that's Jack and, Jill's, and Diane. And the Joes. It's, yeah. It's, it's, all it's, right. it's very hard to confuse. So you know the the first game that that Zappy has to start, it, like you look at it, they they ran the ball about forty times, right? They mitigated that. They they played great defense. They ran the ball. They controlled the tempo. They kept their defense fresh. He dropped back, I think, twenty four times or twenty three times, and he, you know, completed eighteen or whatever it well, was. I mean, it was it was a masterclass in how you how you win with a young quarterback. Now, last week they they dropped back against against who they played last week, Cleveland. They dropped back thirty four times and absolutely throttled Cleveland. I mean, they throttled them. So, like. There comes a time when you have some issues, like Denver, for instance, okay? And let's focus on Russell Wilson. If you're dropping back and you've got a quarterback who's really struggling right now, struggling to see the wide open guy, struggling to see the things that are easy, right? And you've got receivers that aren't winning right off the bat, and you're going to throw it 36 times, why are you throwing it all out of shotgun? Why are you all in gun? and And by the way, think about this, okay? So, just from a protection standpoint, they are absolutely wearing your ass out, nickel. Meaning, when you're getting into three wide receiver sets, when you're spreading people out, right? When you're going empty nickel or you're going one back nickel, right? And you've got your tight end, you're in a, like a three by one, you're in trips, right? Let's say. So the tight end is trips right open. So the tight end is off the ball five yards away from the tackle, the slot receiver's in the middle, and then your Z receiver's outside of him, right? Three guys on that side. Then you got a, you know, an X, I don't care if he's in a nasty split five yards away from the tackle or if he's all the way outside, but you're spread. So what does the defense have to do? It spreads, right? Okay, well, now sometimes it's easier for a quarterback to see who the potential threats are to blitz when you spread everybody out. So a lot of times, what the, what coaches will do is say, "Hey, man, we've got a protection issue from a um, from a recognition standpoint. So let's get into spread, right? And let's make it easy for the quarterback's eyes to see everything, right? So they'll do that to point things out. I've talked to Ben Roethlisberger. Told me I'd much rather designate protections spread because it's easy for me to see. So that's that's one train of thought, right?" Well, if you're getting your ass worn out when you're in spread because your offensive line can't block a a, a easy twist game, then what do you have to do? Okay, we're, we're not picking up the right guy and blitzing. Like we point one guy out, they're bringing the opposite guy that defenses are allowed to do that. They you, they don't have to tell you who they're bringing, right? They can bring more than you have to block. They don't have to like that's that that's part of what they can do. So, all of a sudden you can't you can't operate or you can't function out of that. Then my answer would be, okay, Let's, they're wearing us out in nickel. How about we condense the formation? How about we play two tights or two, tight, two backs or whatever? Condense the formation, bring everybody inside, and take them out of that twisting, blitzing game. Let's make them play us in base. Because when you get into base, Mike, as an offense, I'm just telling you there's a lot less a defense can do when it comes to creativity. You've got lesser athletes on the football field, right? When you're playing us in in nickel or dime, you've got, you know, a linebacker who's really good at blitzing. Maybe two linebackers are really good at blitzing, or maybe you just have one linebacker and you got, you know, a corner, you know, got a corner and a dime guy. And not only can you cover man to man in all those things, but you've got the potential to, you know, create some exotic blitz stuff. And so my thought process is we can't pick any of that crap up let's condense it, let's get heavy, let's get big, and let's take them out of all that exotic blitz stuff. I'll tell you one quick story, one quick one, because I know you want to tell me something. But we go to play the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 33. And the Falcons, what many people don't know about the Falcons at that time, they led the league in sacks. They called themselves the front, the group up front, they called themselves the bomb squad. And when, when our coaching staff broke down the tape, of the Falcons, all their sacks or 90% of their sacks came in nickel, right? When you're in three wide zebra, that's where they had all their exotic blitz packages. That's where they did all their best work. And that's where they had 50 plus sacks. I bet you 40 some of them came in nickel situations. And so that's what they're good at. You know what our coaching staff said going to the Super Bowl? We're not going to let them be let, do what they're good at. Why would we do that? That's stupid. We'd never do that. We played the entire Super Bowl, the entire Super Bowl, Super Bowl 33, in base. We never came into a three-wide set. We had a fullback and a tailback on the field at all times. And when we wanted to spread, and we did spread, we motioned our tailback or motioned our fullback out of the backfield. But we kept them in base, and it eliminated, like, all this exotic blitz package stuff. Now, think about from a preparation standpoint as well. We scrap-piled preparation. Hey, guys, we don't have to worry about this blitz. We don't have to worry about this blitz. We don't have to worry about this blitz because they only run these blitzes. They can only run these blitzes in nickel. We'll never be in nickel. So as we prepped that game, I didn't have to spend six hours looking at nickel tape. You know why? Because we were never going to be in it. So I took that and I circular filed it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to look at that. Now I can take all that time that I would spend, because I'm still gonna spend the same amount of time, but what I'm doing is honing in on mm-hmm. what we're gonna do. Real specific stuff. Super specific. Yeah. And so, like, of course, we throttled them. Kick their ass. Like essentially I did in every Super Bowl I played in. <clears throat> but like World's that, greatest winner, right there. Right. But that is that is to me, that's coaching, Mike. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's what we start to lose in a situation where an older quarterback all of a sudden starts playing poorly that doesn't have an injury issue to, to, like, Peyton Manning started playing poorly at the end because Peyton Manning's neck was so tr- was trash and his arm was trash and he couldn't, like, it wasn't from the neck up. He didn't lose all of a sudden how to play. He just couldn't do it anymore. But when a guy that can play isn't playing well, then oftentimes it's what you're asking that guy to do and the people around that guy. And that's what I believe about these, quote-unquote, aging quarterbacks that aren't playing well right now. What you were just describing about getting teams out of nickel, get into base on offense, uh-huh. max protect, does that best explain what we're seeing with Daniel Jones and the Giants right now? Yeah, you know, I have the Giants this weekend, and I know – Probably nobody from New York actually listens to this podcast because most people in New York hate my guts. Yeah, you've done a very good job of alienating them. Well, here's what I would tell you guys. Quit being sissies, right, and just own it. Sometimes, you know, quit, quit having the, the, um, the, the to-me attitude, right? Life happens to me. Things aren't fair to me. I'm a victim. Like people, people, like everything in life happens to you. Stop it. Stop being a victim. Stop being a sissy. Hey, they're five. In, you guys are five in one. Right. Let, let's, I Own think it. this is the perfect time for a. Okay. Uh, this is not a, me. a peaceful right. solution here okay. with Schlereth. This is not me. This is not me trying to appease you. 'Cause I don't care about you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Come on, I'm this... trying to get something going here. Well, I'm just giving them the I'm just giving them the facts. Like, this is not me trying to my mea culpa. Okay. Okay, because I don't give a crap. Oh, I see. All right. This is me being honest. I love what the Giants are doing right now. Love what they're doing. And I love what Brian Dable, who should be right now, if the season were to end today, and I know it doesn't, but he should be the coach of the year. What they've been able to accomplish, first and foremost, um, And I was surprised because I was surprised at the running game. Saquon Barkley, what they're asking Saquon Barkley to do. Now, like they're going to base, they they get a lot of pitch and a lot of toss and a lot of wide action, right? Get him stretching the field and then bam, either hit it on that side or have the cutback lanes. But their volume of run is great, man. They'll run wham. They'll run inside trap. They'll run power. They'll run counter. They'll run zone read. He'll run Wildcat. Like, they've got the depth and volume of the run game is really good. They're really good. And, like, a lot of it is is putting him in a position to do multiple things, but, um, but their run game is good. And I appreciate that about them. I think the pass game is what really blows me away right now about what they've done with Daniel Jones. Like, in the last three games that I have broken down and watched them r- really intently, I will tell you anytime they take a a five-step with multiple hitches or a seven-step drop mic, they're doing it out of like play pass situation. So there's two types of play action in my mind. There's the run action stuff where you're, you know, showing run, you're flagging the ball out there and then you're boot keeping out the back or whatever. There's the real run and that stuff is all come off the ball. It's all kind of a zone block system, right? Um, There's not a real protection involved as much as there is just we'll run actioning and then we're going to run the play action stuff, the boot stuff, eliminate half the field. They do that. They do that stuff exceptionally well. And they'll get either front side waggle out or backside boot out. They'll get their quarterback half field reads, make easy throws, easy progressions. Okay. And they'll use his athleticism that way. Kudos. That's awesome. If they're going to take a deeper drop with a hitch, five-step drop or a seven-step drop, they're keeping seven dudes in. They're running three man route, three man routes. Sometimes they're keeping eight guys in, they're running two man routes. Okay? That's what they're gonna do. And kudos to them because they're gonna protect their quarterback. They're getting double teams everywhere they can get double teams. All right. Up across the line of scrimmage. And then they're saying, hey man, if we run deeper routes, we're gonna, hey, we're gonna protect your ass so you can push the ball down the football field. And we're giving you two guys to read or three guys to read, right? We're gonna give you some type of combo where we're running, you know, we're running on one side we're running just kind of a, a inside seam go type of thing like a skinny post, and the other side we're running over and and like if if the safety in the corner run with the, ski, steam, uh, the, the seam skinny post, then hit the over on the other way. And if that's not there, we got a check down for you late. That's what we're doing, and it's basically bam right in front of your face seven step drop. We got you protected. Let her rip, and Daniel Jones can throw it all day long. Now. If they're running a regular three-step or five-step drop, Mike, from the pocket, they're one, they're probably not getting five guys out. They're probably going to keep a guy in to block, like to chip and do some things. That's, that's either Saquon or a tight end. Um, Bellinger or a guy like that. But they always have an answer, and this is what I love. They are, there's always an answer. Hey, man, if this isn't here, Daniel, here's your check now. And it's always built in. And so there's an easy answer. So you know, if you look at something, you get a you get a muddy look, you get a bad look. There's an easy answer. Dink, dink, dink. And I know early in the season they gave up a lot of hits. I think to the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys won that game. Um, Daniel, Jones, but the last few weeks, man, it's it's been really good. And that's that's freaking that's not good, coach. That's awesome, coaching, Mike. So if Brian Dable is your leader in the clubhouse right now for coach of the year, I would assume Robert Sala is nipping at his heels. Yes. I, Let us stay with the New York theme. All right. So Robert is it's it's interesting. So I got a text from him the other day. Uh, because you know he's he's keeping a list, right? He's got he's got receipts. Receipts. Right. He's got receipts. Are you on his list? Uh no. I'm not on his list. I thought I might be. Simply because, you know, I like to give Jazz fans a lot of grief, right. right? And so when he he initially texted me and he goes, hey, Stink, is this still your number? I was like, oh, gosh, here we go. What did I say? <laughs> That's my initial thought. Yeah. All right, every time I get Who a, is this Stink you speak yeah, of? Yeah, <laughs> every time I get a text from somebody that I haven't heard from and, you know, and I, I keep in contact with Robert a little bit, right? But I hadn't talked to him in several months. So I was like, oh God, what did I say? Like where what what did I uh oh, what do we get? What do we get? Anyhow, long story short, I was doing um I was doing uh uh the Carton Show in New York, spent a week doing the Carton show and and Carton's a Jets fan, you know, he's a typical New Yorker, right? So he's a Jets fan. And he's bagging on Robert Sala for something, and I just was like, Whoa, timeout, I'll have none of that. Like not on my watch. Because Robert Sala, I have a ton of respect for. I think he's not a good coach. I think he's a great football coach. And I think he's even a better man. And you put them on film, man. Oftentimes, it's funny how when you've watched film your whole life, like I I was a film junkie in college. So back when it was on that 16 millimeter, (laughs) you know, I was a film junkie in college. So I loved, I always love studying film. It just is something I like to do, right? It's just is like, oh, look at this. There's always something you see that you'd never seen before. And so I love studying it. And there are, when you watch enough film and you study enough film, Mike, there are times where you can see energy on the football field. Like you can sense a team's love for the game and energy for the game and all that stuff. Then you can also see when it just isn't, it just looks blasé. And, and that's palpable. Like, I can almost taste it. I can feel it. And the Jets are physical. They fly around. They try to, I mean, they try to knock your teeth out. They are, they are playing their asses off. And one thing I love about Robert is it's always about the players, putting them in positions to win, um, and putting them in positions, more importantly, to be aggressive. And oftentimes, the worst thing you can do is give players too much. So Robert is a real believer in, keep it simple, stupid, free my players. Free them to fly around and hit people. And you watch the Jets. Dude, they, on defense, man, they fly around. They're going to run the ball. They fly around, and they're going to hit your opponent's, their opponent's quarterback. They are they have they have a nasty attitude, and um, I- I'm I'm telling you what, you watch them play, man. They are they are something, and that's a reflection, a direct reflection to me of Robert Sala and and the coaching he has, and you know people here in Denver made fun of me when I said, you know, studying the draft a little bit before you know the quarterbacks came out, I said, hey man, I'm not so sure Zach Wilson isn't better than Trevor Lawrence. It's true. Yeah, and, you said that, and people went crazy here in Denver. You know, like oh, yeah, you don't ever watch college football. You don't ever. See. I'm just telling you what I see. Um, and I don't know, like I don't know where, like he's not there yet. And right now, Trevor probably looks a little bit better than Zach. Zach had the injury, and um, tell you what, I, I think Zach can play a little bit. I, they're an intriguing team to me, uh, by the way. But real quick, they may have the rookie of the year on offense. Yeah. In uh, Brees Hall. Yep. And may have the rookie of the year yep. on defense in Sauce Garden. I, I agree. And this is this is one of those cases where the Draft Knicks got it right draft night mm. when they were throwing Yeah flowers. Flowers at the Jets draft, and you know what? It it looks like it was that legitimate of a draft. Right. Staying in a New York state of mind. Okay. Upstate Buffalo. <sighs> uh we live here in Denver. Uh we know we've watched The legend that is John Elway play. Correct. I'm telling you, Mark, watching Josh Allen run around, leap over guys, the touchdown pass at the end of the game where he's in the pocket, points, and then throws just a seed. Mm. I haven't seen a quarterback play like that since John Elway. Yeah. Am I, is that gross hyperbole or am I right on? No, you're on, I, it just which makes it even that much more mind-boggling that, that John Elway himself. chose not to go watch his pro day. I know. What, like Casper, Wyoming, we, we're we sitting in the tech center. Are you trying to get me on a really? Casper, Wyoming? Oh, Laramie, Wyoming. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. I know, they all look the same. Yeah, well, tumbleweed it's windy, across, it's, it's windy, windy, and there's tumbleweed. Yeah, that's right. So uh, right now, like, we're sitting in the tech center, and Denver Tech Center. We are two and a half hours away from Laramie driving. Yeah. Yeah. About two and a half hours yeah. away. Yeah. You didn't feel like it was worth your time to drive two and a half hours to watch Josh Allen on his pro day. No interest. None. Buffalo's game. And you you had the 5th overall pick, he went 7 to Buffalo. Yep. And you were sitting here going through the flacos of the world and the Hey man, if you went and you didn't like what you saw, that's one thing. I you know, I you make a mistake. Well, I'm going a little inside baseball, but here in Denver it was they had, they had just gone through the Pax or going through the Paxton Lynch debacle and he was just probably viewed Josh Allen another you know, tall, big arm quarterback from a small school that is too much risk than upside. I think he was still trying to make, still having like visions of sugar plums. Maybe. Like Paxton was going to, all of a sudden the epiphany was going to happen and he was going to become a professional right. and he was going to start studying and he was going to work out. and. But that's, I, I can't give a better compliment to what I'm seeing from Josh Allen right mm-hmm. now than he is the modern day Elway. Dude, and I'm telling you what, smart, like smart, he cares. Um, Obviously, unbelievably athletic, he's 6'5", like tough. He's tough, he's smart, he cares. Like, gosh, uh, good thing nobody liked him. Hey, good thing, Cleveland. He went seven.
1: Good thing. He was thing. the third
0: quarterback drafted. Good thing and, Cleveland. And, and two days Jets. before the draft, Josh Rosen was considered a, a better prospect. I, <laughs> sometimes I don't know what people look at, but anyhow, um, you're right. He's Buffalo's game man, dude. He's he, okay. Let me ask you this right he's now: He's a great fit for Buffalo. Too, he is, right? Too, Isn't right? The he the kind of personality like, you just described? Right. Let me ask you this: You have to start a franchise today. You're in charge. Ooh. Mahomes Ooh. or Josh Allen? Ooh. Go. Now, m- keep in mind. I know. Recency Mahomes biases. I, I still Mahomes would... poops Sh- orange Sherbert Yeah, like he is yeah. a unicorn. Yeah. No, I'm. I, I'd still go with Mahomes. See, I that question I'd was still go that Mahomes. question was posed to me on a radio <laughs> show a the other question. day. a great question. It's a great and, question. And I did too. I did too. The, I went Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> Partly just because I want to hear him speak every day. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. boy, that's a good one. That's a good one. But those are clearly the two. And um, boy, right, you can't go wrong with either one. Oh, my gosh. Check back with me a year from now. I might have a different answer. Can you imagine? Can you, like... Now we know what it felt like to be, you know, like, what it felt like all those years in the AFC East when Tom Brady and the New England Patriots ruled the roost. Now we know what it felt like for Kansas City all those years to have to face Elway. Yeah. Right? And now, like, we're getting a taste of her own medicine. And let me tell you what it tastes like. It tastes like (laughs) doo-doo. That's what it tastes like, Mike. I can't argue that. Yeah. I don't know what doo-doo tastes like, but this, I have... I need the idea that this is probably close. Yeah, I just imagine that doo taste bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yes, and this is bad. <laughs> you'd have to ask my boy Gibby Bosworth, who ate the cat turd and the <laughs> banana bread, what doo-doo tastes like. I don't have time to tell that's that story. A whole maybe, story. Maybe maybe we yeah, maybe we tell that. Maybe during the off season or yeah, something. Yeah, that's that's a, that's good a, that's story. a the yeah. cat remind me folks. Yes. Cat bread the the cat turd and the banana bread yes. story. It's I'll a tell classic, it. Folks. I'll tell it at it's some point. It's a classic. Hey, for everybody involved in this classic show, the Stink of right. Truth Podcast, we'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, I'd like to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, Bet with Bet Rivers. For Mike, I am Mark from Millennial Ben. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week.